0: Hello and welcome to the Sail Loot Podcast, where we share our adventures of the sea and help to achieve that cruising life that sets us free. I'm Teddy J, and this is podcast episode 33 with Andy Shell at 59-north.com and on Isbjorn. Most people flat refuse to speak about money,
1: even, well, especially among friends. I am not one of them. I only wish that this sort of information had been available to me as we set up the new business.
0: I am so glad that Andy got in touch with me. Uh, You know, I was sitting here putting a few other things together and working on other podcasts and always saying to myself, all right, I really need to send, you know, the next person an email. And I think I want it to be Andy because, you know, we have stuff we can talk about. And I'm sure that he's dealing... With stuff and setting up his sailing business, that would be super helpful for everybody. And lo and behold, I open my inbox and there's an email from Andy Shell. So that's amazing and just you know proof to how setting up some of these things can connect you with the right people and the people that you want to talk with. Um, so uh, Andy and I actually sat down and were able to connect and talk for several hours and uh but before that he sent me an email and he was nice enough to share this you know the recording and the audio of his money essay episode that he put out uh, a few weeks ago himself and this is kind of a precursor to our talk that we had because here andy explains all of the numbers that a lot of people might not necessarily share but I'm so glad that Andy decides to share these things because it can be so helpful to anybody setting up, whether it's a sailing business or it's any business at all. If you're entrepreneurial at all, you know this will explain a lot about how Andy and Mia were able to do this and put together um, their sailing business, sailing their boat, Isbjorn, and taking people on sailing passages on Isbjorn. So... so Uh, This was awesome. Uh, Again, he gets into details about a lot of stuff. He shares all the details. He shares boat prices. He shares, you know, what he pays for everything. So listen up to this, and we will... Actually, have an interview with Andy coming up on the next episode of the Sale Loot Podcast, where we sit down and we get into a few other things. We go, you know, a little bit earlier in his life and explain how he was able to pull things together there and uh, after college and uh, all that other stuff. So. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. I sure did. And again, I'm so thankful for Andy for sharing this stuff. Uh, If you want the link, I believe that his uh, episode of this is over there at 59-north.com. And you can find it over on his podcast page. And it's kind of squished right in between episode 132 and 133, it looks like, over there. So if you want to listen to it straight from uh, Andy and what he has to say in his intro and stuff like that, go ahead on over there and check that out. And I'm sure you can find him in iTunes as well. Otherwise, I will have all the links to all that stuff. So head on over to Salute.com slash episode 033. And obviously, all the links to all this stuff will be right on over there. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, here is Andy again. And uh, he's just going to kind of read us his little essay and tell us a little bit about uh, his money ordeals. Part of my job, which
1: requires Internet access, and part of the reason we've stayed so long in San Juan, as I wrote yesterday is managing the finances of the very small sailing career we've created under the guise of 59 Degrees North Limited. Since our night ops mission to depart San Juan got turned back, I spent some time today back at the Hilton lobby going over our accounting. Most people flat refuse to speak about money, even, well, especially among friends. I am not one of them. I only wish that this sort of information had been available to me as we set up the new business. It's been a while since I touched on this in a few podcast essay episodes, so it's time to delve back into the business side of the lifestyle that Mia and I are trying to create. For the past eight years, we've earned our living in all sorts of ways. Delivering other people's boats, which accounted for a lot of money, relatively, in a short amount of time, but inconsistent over the course of the year. Working for a World Cruising Club on event, or as their USA reps and event managers. This was our base income, and the most steady of all of it. Writing articles for various sailing magazines, this was very small in comparison. Uh, Working at daycare in Sweden, that was Mia. And a meager amount in podcast sponsorship, which basically allows that side of the business to break even. More on that in a bit. Uh, And of course, podcast donations, for lack of a better word. I've considered creating a membership system for the podcast to try and raise some revenue. Some kind of bonus scheme for members while the podcast episodes remain free to all. I decided against it as I don't think the small extra income will make up for the large amount of extra work involved to manage memberships. Since I first put the donate button on the podcast page in December, or in September last year, we've raised a fair amount, $1,587 from 96 payments to be exact. That's over the course of 15 months, so we're not breaking any records, but it definitely helps. Of that, and this is an ongoing issue with all the online stuff I've been trying to set up, which we'll get to in a bit. We've had to pay moonclerk.com, our donation payment service, 9 bucks per month for a total of $135 to date. So it's not 100% going to us, all those donations. While we're at it, I'll take the opportunity to humbly ask any of you who have thought of donating or subscribing to Pony up. You can offer a one-time donation with the donate button, or even better, a recurring subscription with the subscribe button, all at 59-north.com slash sailingpodcast or 59northpodcast.com. It all goes directly towards making these episodes better and better. After 130-something episodes and counting, I have no plans on stopping. All right. All these various revenue streams combine to create what I've dubbed as sort of a half of a career. Mia and I could be classic dinks, that's double income, no kids, were well-educated and experienced and could easily make higher incomes working normal jobs. In fact, Mia had initially gone to university in Sweden to study chemistry and pharmacy. She's much smarter than I am and would undoubtedly have been the big earner in the family had we gone that route. But we chose not to for obvious reasons. Before we get into it, I need to be clear on one thing. We could never have accomplished any of this without the help of friends and family and supportive folks in the sailing industry, most of all my dad. While not giving any direct financial assistance, we've been helped along by borrowing cars, volunteer labor, co-signers on loans, in-kind sponsorship deals for sailing equipment, business plan advice from some of our direct competitors, thanks to John and Amanda Neal and John Kretschmer for that, marina dockage, places to sleep during the dusty refit, etc., etc., If you're reading or listening to this and you helped us in any way, thanks. You all know who you are. So why even talk about this? I think it's interesting reading about other startup businesses, and I'm definitely inspired by the Startup Podcast, which Alex Bloomberg of This American Life has created. So check that out if you're interested in other business type stuff. Maybe it's egotistical, but my hope is that other people will find this interesting too. Plus, I want to both inform others about how we went about this and, importantly, inspire people to follow their dreams and provide a practical blueprint for doing so. So get a pencil because there's a lot of links I talk about in this. Or better yet, uh, I'm going to have the full text transcript of this posted on the website so you can go there and see the links for yourself. The single most important thing about early success of our business slash lifestyle model has nothing to do with finances, but it's more about opportunity. We could never have accomplished all we have in such a short time with only the money I discussed below. We would have fallen far short of being able to afford all this on money alone. It's the paragraph I mentioned above, the people that helped out along the way, whether through in-kind sponsorship, volunteer labor, what I already mentioned, that truly made this happen. But it's also not just luck. A lot of the opportunities we put together happened by a series of serendipitous circumstances that we were conscious enough to notice and brave enough to act on, And that's the key. I believe, like it talks about in the book The Alchemist, that once you set your mind on achieving a goal, whatever that may be, that the universe conspires to help you towards that goal. My mom was a big believer in that as well, and probably the biggest reason that I decided to follow my dreams in the first place. But it doesn't happen automatically. It's the recognition of opportunities and the ability to be flexible enough to pounce on them that truly makes a difference. Set a dream make a plan, and take advantage of every good thing that happens to you along the way to make that dream possible. A further note before we get into details. I was proud when I got an email last week from longtime listener Bella. Bella said how impressive it was that we've managed to create all of this stuff out of thin air. And I'm going to quote that email. Quote, you're a real entrepreneur, not the kind that goes out and raises $500,000 from investors and then spends it, but the kind that makes something from nothing. Your progression from sailing around the bay with your folks to rigor, running rallies, starting an ocean sailing program, and keeping your podcast going is a set of solid accomplishments that you made happen. I'm sure your dad and mom, who's smiling as she watches you from above, are very proud. End quote. I'd never thought of it that way before, but I guess Bella is right. We did create something out of nothing, are in the process of creating it as I speak. It never occurred to me to ask other people for capital aside from your helpful donations, of course, and I'm really proud of that. Anyhow, to recap the past couple years financially, here's how we did it and some of the details of how it all works. September 2013. I started the 59 Degrees North podcast from Mia's parents' house in Sweden. After producing 30 episodes of Two Inspired Guys with my best friend Ryan, I knew just enough about podcasting to start a show on my own in my area of expertise. Episode number one was Alan Palmer, the captain of a tall ship I'd met while we cruised Arcturus in Orland, And I learned quickly how thrilling it is to speak to people in their own habitat, so to speak, talking to Alan from the captain's cabin of the Triacroner Brig, which was docked in Stockholm. I never imagined it would get this popular. It was, and still is, just a hobby. But by creating this wider audience, it's allowed a lot of what follows thanks to the support of my listeners, who are also most of the people that come sailing with us. We've grown to almost 3,000 listeners per episode on average. All time, as of December 14th, uh, just that's today as I record this, uh, 59 Degrees North has been downloaded 378,960 times through 133 episodes. The most popular offshore yacht rigging with Mike Meir at 6,740 downloads. December 2013, Mia and I bought our first house in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Because we'd been self employed and led a very non traditional lifestyle, we had trouble securing a loan. Our credit is excellent, over eight hundred, but we don't show much income, and what we do comes at very irregular intervals. This would later hinder us when we tried to buy Eastbjorn. Anyway, with my dad's help in the form of his credit, he was a co signer on the house but put up no cash, we got the loan. It was an FHA loan, so we only needed two and a half percent down, which was helpful. The purchase price of the house was $95,000, and after that, we had little other savings. Over the course of the next year, through getting more work, and importantly, living very simply, we managed to save a lot, to the tune of over $30,000, which I invested in a Vanguard index fund through Betterment.com. That's the first of one of these links you should write down if you're taking notes. This sounds like a lot of money, and it is, but the only reason we were able to do this was by living a simple lifestyle. Mia was brought up this way back in Sweden and had a big influence on me. I was also introduced to a fantastic blog called Mr. Money Mustache by my friend Rory Finnerin, which has only further inspired us to live simply. And living in Lancaster itself was a specific decision to that end. Real estate was inexpensive, as was the cost of living. We could survive day to day without a car, fresh food was available from the Amish market, And by living in a compact downtown area, we walked everywhere. I like to say from 2013 to the present is when our sailing career really blossomed. For the first time, we're having to turn down work, and it finally feels like the hard work we've put in over the last eight years is paying off, literally. December of last year, 2014. At Christmas time, I had some downtime and did a yachtworld.com search for swan between 45 and 50 feet, for under $150,000. The inklings of a business plan were hatched, and over the coming weeks, I refined that plan in a Google Sheets spreadsheet. February 2015. Independent of the boat search and the business idea, we decided to put the Lancaster house up for sale in the spring. The goal of moving to Sweden was going to happen sooner than we'd planned, so it was time to start the process. Also February 2015. Merrill, the owner of a Shannon 43 catch called Serenity, who had sailed twice in the Caribbean 1500 since I started running it, offered us the use of his boat for free to, te- to test the concept of the business. Merrill is an entrepreneur himself and an eccentric hobbyist. He makes his own furniture, brews his own beer, produces his own wine, amongst a lot of other things. I like to help people, Merrill said. This is the least I can do. And by you using the boat, it saves me on the dockage. The test passed. All eight of the berths sold on two trips from the BVI to Grenada and back, and the profits went directly into the Eastbjorn Fund. In fact, before that Serenity trip ever left the dock, we had a contract to buy Eastbjorn. Still February 2015. I returned home from the BVI after the successful Serenity trip, and we closed on Eastbjorn. All $32,000 of the money we had saved went into the down payment, that was 26000 and taxes, another 6000 on the $130,000 purchase price of the boat, and we still had to use my grandfather's credit to secure the loan, for the same reasons as when we bought the house. I have to stress again how proud we are to have saved this money in such a short time, over 50% of our income, again, due to simple living. Terms of the loan itself were $104,000 financed for 20 years at 4.5% interest, making for a monthly payment of about $650. We could afford this, we thought, even if the business fell through and we had to get jobs. This, of course, was a huge risk. That $32,000 was supposed to go towards the house we'd buy in Sweden later on. But I also had the realization that I'd need to work when we moved to Sweden, So what better idea than creating my own business plan that can work from anywhere, and at the same time, allow me to keep a connection to friends and family in the U.S. by keeping the boat registered and based in Annapolis. We were all in, quite literally. April 2015. The Lancaster house went on the market. Thanks to Airbnb, we'd been able to more than recoup our mortgage payment and expenses from weekend renters while we were out of town. This worked from november twenty fourteen right through to july twenty fifteen, so about six months of house expenses in recouped money for a net zero of owning the house over that same time period. July twenty fifteen. Our first trip on East Buren with paying crew with a new business. Three spots sold on the way north to Lunenburg, two on the way south. It was a good start at twenty five hundred dollars ahead and the 2016 calendar was already starting to sell, which was also a very good sign. Side note, did you ever read the parable of the fisherman? I'm sure I've talked about this before on the podcast. Look it up. Anyway, I worked the East business plan in reverse. I set a target annual profit of $70,000 based on the statistics that life doesn't get any happier above that mark and worked the plan backwards. Given the fixed and running costs of the boat, How many trips would I have to sell in a year to hit that goal? turns out it's about 30 to 40 bunks per year. That means that during the downtime, I don't have to work. That was key to the business plan. Of course, the downtime includes a ton of work in the form of admin, communicating with crew, passage planning, boat maintenance, accounting, podcasting, etc., etc., etc. But the point is that it doesn't feel like work, and I get to do it on my own time. And when we have kids, that time will be entirely at home. No 9-to-5 office, but home. September 2015. Within the span of six weeks, we sold the house and Arcturus. The Lancaster house, due to the real estate market there, netted us just over $10,000 when the deal closed, which went immediately into Esperance refit, or more precisely, to pay off the credit card bills that had been piling up during the refit. Another side note, Mia and I use credit cards for absolutely everything. We have three of them, two for the business and one for personal use. Each month, I pay them off in full to avoid paying the stupidly high 19.9% interest rates. All the while, we reap the literal rewards from the credit card companies. Just a few days ago, Mia and I each booked flights down to San Juan for our planned April 1st trip back to Key West. We had enough credit card miles to do this and still have enough left over even after that to buy another flight. We spend enough on credit cards, we spend enough on credit cards that we end up getting the equivalent of about $1000 kicked back every 6 months or so. For those interested, all of our cards are with Capital One. For personal use, a Venture card that importantly doesn't charge international fees when we're abroad, and for the business, two Spark Miles cards that also don't charge traveling fees. All of this is managed via one login on CapitalOne.com where I have both business and personal bank accounts linked as payment accounts and have it set up so that the cards are automatically paid off each month so I don't even have to think about it. I just have to make sure there's enough money in the bank to do so. Okay, back to September 2015. Arcturus sold for $36,000. We bought her for $40,000 and put in another 35 to 40,000 in refit costs over the years that we owned her. So it was a net loss. But after paying back the $15,000 we still do- still owed on that loan, we netted about $20,000 which went straight into our betterment index fund. After buying East Bjorn, that fund was back down to zero again. Fall of 2015. East Bjorn's refit We've talked about this before, but we spent all but $40,000 refitting East in this fall. The list was extensive, and a lot of stuff was spent on deferred maintenance, stuff you can't even see, and stuff I hadn't really budgeted for when we first bought the boat. Suffice it to say, it wasn't exactly in the condition that we'd thought it was when we bought it. Anyway, it didn't even include new sails, which are now on order for a spring 2016 delivery before our first transatlantic next summer, to the tune of $19,000. Bigger boat, more expensive stuff. As a comparison, Arcturus, all three of her sails cost about $8,000. November 2015. Eastbjorn's second working passage is the Caribbean 1500 with a full crew. I paid Paul Exner to skipper the boat in my absence, since I ran the event, and my dad sailed as mate. Under Paul and my dad's guidance, they completed the passage in just over eight days and won the whole thing. So that pretty much brings us up to speed and to the present tense where we're, well, when I wrote this, we were still in San Juan. When I'm recording it right now, we're uh, anchored back in St. Thomas. Anyway, we've taken deposits on over 60% of our scheduled trips for 2016 and have already sold four cruise spaces for 2017, only about a week after opening that calendar. The way it works is we take a 50% deposit up front with a balance coming due 60 days prior to the trip's scheduled departure. The first of those payments are now coming due for the next passage starting in the end of January. Further to this is how we take those payments. I use Squarespace.com to host my website, and I absolutely love it, to the tune of about 30 bucks a month in the Squarespace subscription fee. It costs 20 bucks a month to host the podcast on Libsyn.com. I use 0 that's zero with an X, X-E-R-O, .com for my accounting, which also costs 30 bucks a month, and links seamlessly and directly with Squarespace when something gets sold through the website. The credit card payments are processed by Stripe.com, which also links seamlessly with both Squarespace and Zero, but it too costs money. 2.9% plus 30 cents on each transaction to be exact. It's not actually it's actually not that bad in the world of credit card fees. My dad pays more to have a payment processor for his restaurants for example, but it's a big chunk. If we sell out in any given year, it's all but $5,000 we're spending solely in credit card fees. If you sign up to come sailing with us, you'll get two invoices through my zero accounting system, one for the deposit, another for the balance. There's an option to pay by check and, ad- and an address listed to mail it to. But when you get that invoice, I'll ask you to pay it by card, and here's why. Despite the fees, the automation of all this saves lots of time and hassle and ensures the money goes straight into the bank account. I've accounted for these fees, of course, in the overall business plan, putting it down to simply a cost of doing business. Um, I don't charge any more if you pay by credit card either, which some people do, which is fine. We still accept checks, of course, but I like to keep it all online uh, just for efficiency's sake. It's the main reason we're able to manage all this stuff while sitting in a Caribbean anchorage on a boat and hotspotting our phones for internet. Speaking of which, uh, Mia and I last year discovered Ting.com, a sort of next gen cell phone service that works on the Sprint network. It's a prepaid plan, and we pay 12 bucks per month for us to have two iPhones on the network. That's six bucks each and then pay for only what we use. The bill is divided into voice minutes, text messages, and data. When we travel so much, the phone lines remain active for $12 per month, but we don't get charged for anything else. When we're in foreign countries, we buy local SIM cards to work in our unlocked iPhones and allow us to make cheap local calls and receive calls from home for free and also forward our Sonatel.com U.S. business number to anywhere in the world. So check that out if you travel a lot. It's S-O-N-E-T-E-L. It allows us to have an Annapolis area code number that we can forward uh, very cheaply to any of our local numbers whenever we travel. When we're back in the U.S., which is less and less lately, we use the phones as normal and suck up a ton of data by using the phones for Wi-Fi. Remember, we don't pay for Internet at home anywhere because we don't have a home right now. All told, our average phone bill through Ting, including the times we're gone, is 88 bucks a month. And that's for both of us. Our phone bills, the boat's loan payment, and the boat's insurance are the only three monthly bills we even get. Anyway, all of these advanced payments and the deposits that I just spoke about has created an interesting financial conundrum. Thanks to the deposits coming in for future trips, we've got money in the bank. But it's not really ours. We need that money to maintain the boat and deliver the trips to a high standard, sometimes months, and in the case of the trips we've sold for 2017, years into the future. Eastburn's fixed costs for 2016, including the new sales, are estimated at $54,000, though admittedly a normal year will hopefully be closer to $35,000. And that doesn't even include all the travel, provisioning, and logistical costs of running the actual expeditions. So while it feels like we're flush with cash right now, and by the way, we have no other debt to speak of and are living on the boat, so expenses are low, we're still just barely hanging on. But, and this is key, the plan is working. We've completed the major refit, ordered the sales, have money and savings for our future apartment in Sweden. The Swedish kroner is at an almost all-time low against the dollar, which is good for us. Bookings are coming in, and we've got a reasonable cushion in the bank for the next few months. We're free of everything else that could potentially hold us back. No house, no car, no debt, no Arcturus, just the new boat. Let's just say that I'm cautiously optimistic. Actually, that's a lie. I'm effing ecstatic.
0: So after listening to that again, I am so glad that Andy uh, decided to share that audio with us and with me so that I could share it with all of you. It is, as you can tell, so very relevant to what we talk about here on Sail Loot. And he gives the real numbers and he breaks things down and he tells us the services that he uses. Uh, if you want any of the links to any of those services, you can get all of the links to everything over at the... Um, loot.com slash episode zero three three those are the show notes for this epi- for this episode of the podcast and if you want to check out the essay Andy actually wrote the entire essay out and it's over there uh, in his show notes for his podcast and um, so you can go to 59-north.com and find the podcast over there. It's the Money Podcast that's listed over there. So thank you again, Andy, so much. And we're going to hear more from Andy in the next episode because I was actually able to sit down and talk to him. And uh, it was it was a whole lot of fun. As I said at the beginning, we kind of referenced this podcast a little a little bit and uh, the fact that you know he told us uh, some of the details. And we go back even further than that to... You know his college career and everything else so lots more about andy and with andy and uh you know figuring out a little bit more detail about uh, how he was able to save up some money and start all this but uh for now if you have any questions feel please feel free to email us at email me at teddyj at dot com. and uh I, I am reading the emails i try and respond to them all there's there's a bunch of them to respond to don't get me wrong i'm getting there guys okay um and i do thank you so very much for all the kind words and, and everything else so um thank you for all the emails thank you guys for getting in touch thank you guys for listening and you of course you can find us at sail facebook.com forward slash sail loot, and on twitter at SailLoot. Um, Thank you so much for listening, and I hope that all of you can find a way to find your sail loot to live a life rich in experiences. I hope to meet all of you out on the water, fair winds, and following seas.